0: welcome to study with Steph. Um, I don't even honestly even know what episode we're on anymore, maybe six or seven, (laughs) but I am talking about video systems today with me is Carl Rosenberg. He is the technical trainer and regional application specialist at Extron. Carl, thank you so much for joining me today and helping me understand video systems.
1: Very good. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, You know, I was excited to hear about this. Anytime I can educate people and, you know, do anything to further your education in the world of video, I love doing that. So as I was explaining to you before, uh, I've been a teacher for quite a long time and, uh, you know, training for Extron and uh, training and education is near to my heart, which is why I like working for Extron. So it is great and a pleasure to be able to also help train you.
0: (laughs) Yes. All right. Yeah. You you told me you had a little presentation ready, which I always love in these.
1: Well, I'll tell you. So one of the things that happens when people approach me about training with video and you held up the book, which everybody might have not have seen. Oh yeah. The book book is big, right? The book I had was years ago and I'm sure it's a little different now, but there's some of the pieces and parts that are absolutely the same. Right. And one of the things I was going to do was kind of walk you through some of the prep or what I refer to as the, the video glue of the industry as we go through that. So yeah, I'll begin to share my screen. Uh, something I'll let you know, Steph, as we begin this is in the training world that I do, I try to have conversations, ask me lots of questions. Okay. Um, I always try to say it's not a webinar, it's a conversation. Uh, if you want to learn how to change the battery in your car key, you go to YouTube But if you want to learn about philosophy you have a conversation and it's a little bit of a different environment and so yeah we'll we'll chat back and forth as we do this sounds Uh, good i'll I'll be able to show you some of the pieces and parts so let me uh let me move this over here get my sort of zoom studio prepared as i always like to say there we are and you should be able to see something that says study with steph is that correct
0: yes wonderful
1: and and there i am and uh you know obviously steph had kind of pre-introduced me earlier. So Carl Rosenberg, been in the business about 32 years, uh, did a lot of rental staging, some rock concerts. And uh, then I went to work for digital projection for a while, uh, doing some of the research and development for the video projectors, which Steph and I are going to talk about. And then over the last 20 years, I've been working for Extron as a technical trainer. So something I always start off with, Steph, is this slide that you should be able to see right now. So this is a picture of my father. Uh, he's an intercultural relations teacher, and he spoke six languages fluently. And the reason I'm bringing this up for AV people in general is uh, you'll notice there's no digital technology in here. There's no PowerPoint. He had to show every slide simultaneously was my inside joke. Uh, and the idea here is that he had to train some people, by the way, for the audio folks who are watching, it's an SM57 microphone gaff taped to his chest. Remember, there's no wireless microphones back there. All right. So he spoke... That's right. See? So he spoke six languages, and he would set this event up and teach people around the world, and I would help him. So when you were at your, uh, with your uh, family at Disneyland or Disney World doing something, I was helping him do this. Something <laughs> important he taught me, Steph. Can you read this?
0: If you don't know, ask.
1: Very good. And one of the things I'm so proud of you about doing is you're asking for assistance in the world of AV. And so that's good. You know, my father would be proud of you. I'm proud of you. And I think this is a, a great opportunity to sort of look into the world of AV and the glue. So I'm going to ask you a question.
0: Okay.
1: I'm going to prep you right now. What type of fa- job did my father have?
0: He was an intercultural relations teacher.
1: Very good. You get the bell. So one Ooh, bell.
0: a bell sound. So you, of course you get
1: the bell. <laughs> yeah. Now, when you look at the list here, right away, you're like, huh, hmm, magician, chef, fashion model. Okay. Maybe right. But you'll notice that a lot of the questions that you might get in the CTS, as long as you know a little bit of the nomenclature, it'll help you. So let's take a look at some things right away. Some rooms. So taking the CTS class, again, I'm very proud of you, is kind of like taking the glue of the industry test. You need all the glue in the pieces. So you look at a room like this, Steph, and you're okay, there's some TVs and there's some this and that, you know. but what's the glue holding it together? That's kind of why I love working for Extron is we're kind of the glue and training is the glue for stuff like this. And as you look through some of these rooms, you'll really notice that it's the video glue that holds everything together. And it is a little bit of a mystical world. And something I'm gonna tell you right now, guess what you're gonna become? A video plumber. Write that down. A video plumber. Video
0: plumber. All right, Rudy. All right. So
1: Carl's gonna teach you to be a video plumber and make sure you're taking notes, by the way. A little piece of paper and a pencil. Sometimes I teach classes to younger college students I say everybody take out a piece of paper and a pencil and they all look at me like I'm speaking French what is this piece (laughs) of paper and pencil you speak of Mr. Rosenberg yeah so you're a video plumber so Steph depending on the pipe you have you can either send more data or less data down it that's the trick to video that's really it and that's the technologies I teach so this room looks amazing you know it's got a big video wall in it touch panel but they might want more information on their screens. So they're going to use a, different, a bigger pipe, all right? And I teach all these technologies for Extron, and it's fascinating that some people just kind of forget. That's all that's going on here. So anything you can do to immerse yourself in the pipe or the video plumbing, you should do that, all right? Now, I know it's a little bit hard now, Steph. You can't walk into these rooms as much, I'm sure, at the moment. But yeah. anything you can do to sort of touchy feel, I always remember <clears> this is <throat> a technology petting zoo. You know, anything that you can go in and, you know, use all this equipment will help you. So write this down, there are four ways to do AV, specifically V in 2021, four ways. You can run a cable, what a concept. (laughs) You can use (laughs) twisted pair, you can use HDMI, fiber optics, but running cables are uncompressed video, all right, for the most part. Number two is doing something called wireless. You've probably heard of this, wireless AV. There's a wide variety of products that you can run wireless video. Well, the problem is Steph, when you do that, things are compressed, all right? And you lose resolution, you might lose color, you might lose refresh rate. And I remember from watching one of your other videos, uh, one of my friends taught you what refresh rate, it's how many pictures are drawn per second on the screen. Yes. With, With wireless technology, you can't have high refresh, all right? And then there's this thing called streaming, number three uh streaming has been around for a long time it's not new and it's the idea that we're taking audio and video and it's leaving the building and going somewhere else a great example is what you and I are doing right now we are zooming and are my audio and video you can hear me and it's coming the other way now Steph what's the most important thing with the zoom conference right now this conversation would you say it's the video or it's the audio what's the most important
0: I would say it's the audio because correct. if I could still hear you, you could still teach me, but if um, and, I couldn't, then when we were just looking at each other, there wouldn't be <laughs> you're correct. much else you'd be able and, to do.
1: Right. If there was latency in our voices, that would be a problem too. Right. Very good. Um, and the, an industry standard for this is something called H.264. That's been around forever. You should sort of know it and love it and understand the acronym. That's a, that's another class, but that is the streaming sort of de facto standard that people use at schools and universities and then number four the new kid in town something uh, called yes. AV, av over ip now and actually gary and i had a quick conversation about this when i called him a couple weeks ago uh, this is a not a newer theory this is not nude av the company i work for xdron's had gadgets that do this for a long time uh, but people are now just kind of getting into it. the theory here Steph, is that there's not a traditional uncompressed video switcher. It's a network switch. Okay. Now, the reason people like this also adds, people always ask me, what's the difference between streaming and AV over IP? AV over IP is all usually local. One room, maybe one building, one auditorium. Streaming is leaving the building. You and I are streaming now. We're not doing AV over IP. The other thing that happens with AV over IP is there's always control involved, touch panels, stuff like that, all right? Always control. So those are the four ways to do video plumbing, stuff. <laughs> and if you pick one, it helps. So when people ask you questions, they're like, well, what do you wanna do here? Well, I, I really wanna run a cable because I need to make sure I can critically see the images. Okay, we're gonna do that. Uh, well, I might wanna do wireless. Well, if you do that, you might lose some frame rate, probably not great for a film studio or a video application. Mm-hmm. All right. little quick history of some video stuff for you, a lot of these things will certainly be, um, you know, in the CTS is one of the things that we have in our world, Steph, is we don't have a lot of standards. We are the right. industry of specifications. You've probably heard that a lot. It's yes. true. There are, uh, there are some standards, good old NTSC and PAL and CCAM, these things we used to use in the past, uh, and ATSC, in essence, high definition video. All right. And nobody has a CRT television anymore. I mean, holy smokes, it looks like an antiquated thing. If you went into a hotel room and now and saw one of those, you'd gasp. Like, oh my gosh, what an old hotel this is.
0: Yeah, check out. You're about right.
1: Absolutely. Well, the the nice thing about, you know, where we're headed is when HDTV, there's some easy aspects of this, you get a bigger aspect ratio, which makes things look more lifelike. Uh, Somebody will always tell you and I will tell you, your eyes are left and right of each other. So we see in wide aspect ratio, this is is another reason why it just looks better for humans. And of course, there's more resolution. So this is all good. And you may get questions of the different aspect ratios on the test and what they are. And they're usually a reference or a Ratio and you know like a four by three aspect ratio is one point three three times something of whatever the width is and then the other ones are like one seven eight and on and on we go based on the width of the screen uh, but the fan favorites are four by three and sixteen by nine all right yep so some more history when sort of AV when I first started we were doing a lot of what is called RGBHV this is analog. All right. And it was the kind of the best way to make video signals. It was completely decoded. Now, write this word down, decoded. The reason for that is you'll notice even in history, we've been using encoding. We still say this today all the time, even in AV over IP. We have an encoder and we have a decoder. We have a decoder, we have an encoder. And when you're using those words, there's history to it. The theory was... All beautiful video signals coming out of computers were RGBHV with the horizontal and vertical sync. And then the broadcast standards used usually three-wire technology, some sort of a component broadcast standard, all right? And then, well, wait a minute, Steph, we need to get this signal to your house. We can't run five gigantic cables, and don't forget there's going to be left and right audio as well. So what do we do? We'll encode it to RF. And so now we've got, talk about video plumbing, we have... 50 channels of television all running down one pipe. All right, so now Steph, what do you think will look better? One video signal that's running down five wires or 300 video signals running down one?
0: Probably the first one that's running correct.
1: down five. <laughs> well done. Yeah, it's the it, the more decoding you do the better off it is. And this is also okay. the essence of streaming. You know, we have to encode and decode and encode and decode and eventually you're kind of throwing everything away. Uh, and, you know, no wonder the images don't always look so great when you you know look on the internet or YouTube or whatever. So encoding and decoding is kind of the key to all of this. Got it. And usually these high resolutions were what we did all the time. We ran five wire everywhere and we didn't want to do RF, but in a church or a school or something, they almost had to do it. Right. Now, a little bit about the analog digital world. I know that all again, somebody else had mentioned this, but here's kind of the video side of it. Yeah. Analog is a variable waveform. And with analog video signals, the theory was you could kind of push, boost these signals long distances. All right. We used to call them distribution amplifiers, interfaces, and you would push more and push more. With digital signals, you can't do that. All right. They're on and off. They're Mm -hmm. individual pulses and they'll only go as far as they go before they disintegrate is an easy way to say it. The word reclocking, write that down, may come up. So I need a product to re-clock the video signal. In essence, you are re-timing it, all right? So it comes out again, nice and sharp on the other side. Now, what is the main difference for you when you're making these decisions? Now, first of all, we don't use a lot of analog anymore too much, but you know, there's gonna be questions like that that may ask you. Now, digital technology, the distances are set. Hey, I can go this far with this kind of cable at this resolution and this data rate and so on and so forth. Now, let me ask you another question. Which one of these clocks is better, Steph? Which um,
0: one's better? The not digital clock, because you can see the seconds.
1: But so now there's some truth there. Well, very good. I love your answer. Uh, yeah, the, the theory there is that some people would say, well, this clock is exact, like a digital video signal. But it doesn't give you sometimes as much information as you might. Need. Yeah. That's correct. Now, the other thing, too, is this. You can't time target on a digital clock. You know what time targeting is? This is where if you glanced over here and your class started at three, Steph,
0: I can how time see how you much add? I can see how much time has passed. Yeah. yeah,
1: very good. And you can't do that. I don't know if you've known this, but in airports they were putting digital clocks everywhere, and people were missing their planes because if it's twelve thirty-eight and my plane leaves at one, I have to do math. So yeah. Was, was a, and then suddenly Nine. all the digital clocks disappeared, and they started putting analog clocks back up. It's a fact that they have a lot of analog clocks mm-hmm. in universities and schools for the same reason. It's kind of the same thing yeah. in digital, all right? Good. Some other things that you may hear on the test or people talk to you about is the word bandwidth. I have high bandwidth, I have low bandwidth. And the word data rate. So bandwidth is an antiquated way to say things. Write it down, but we don't say yeah. things have high bandwidth, low bandwidth. Now I know my audio people will you know, do it a little bit of a different dance, but we talk <laughs> data rate, data rate, Data rate. It's all about data rate. Okay. Now, in the old days, we used to say things, Steph. we like, "Wow, we have one hundred and fifty megahertz and three hundred megahertz and four hundred and fifty megahertz at minus three dB." All these switchers we make. Wow, look at all that. Well, I mean, this is almost embarrassing that you know. Nowadays, we are talking incredibly high data rates, not yeah. megahertz. We're talking, you know, gigabits. Okay. I'm going to give you three numbers that when I teach people, I always make sure they leave my classes and kind of understand. Okay. Number, number one, number, <laughs> 10 gigabits. This is about the data rate coming out of a standard computer, Steph. So if you walked into a classroom or a boardroom with a, kind of a regular laptop, let's say, what's coming out of it on the HDMI uncompressed connector is about 10 gigabits. You've heard of 1080p, 60, 4K, 30. That is the resolution followed by the refresh. All right, okay. so standard classrooms and boardrooms. When the HDMI signals go up to the newer versions, like 2.0, all right, the data rate changes because you can now spit out 4K 60, not 4K 30. That's twice as many frames, so the data rate goes up. And that okay. number I want you to write down is 18. So the first number I gave you was 10, the second one was 18. And then eventually, one day down the road, somebody may say to you, I've got some sort of an 8K signal or maybe some sort of 4K uh, signal that's running at, you know, 120 pictures per second. That's a pretty high data rate. It's almost Mm -hmm. 8K. And that number would be just under 50. Let's just say, you know, 47, 48, something around there. Right? I think technically it's 48. So those uh, three things are important for you because it's the essence of all encoding and decoding. So, Steph, if you were to want somebody said to you, I need to stream a 10 gigabit laptop down to, you know, Zoom or something like that. Well, you know, Mm -hmm. we can't do 10 gigabits downstream. So the pipe would have to be smaller. So now you're compressing the signal. And so as long as you understand that based on the design you might be doing, that's three different rooms. So these are usually college classrooms and boardrooms or learning spaces. These are usually medical applications. In this whole 8K thing, you know, 47 to 50 gigabits, you know, that's usually medical and military stuff. Right. And so everything we do now, we talk data rate. Okay. And as long as you know the resolution and as long as you know the refresh rate, and you ask a couple more questions, you can always figure this out. So it's pretty easy to do. Uh, the thing that does make it difficult I can understand is each HDMI connection has its own data rate specification. They don't okay. make it easy for you, do they? No. No. So when you see those things. So here's a question for you. See, so we're going to practice as we go along, Steph.
0: Okay.
1: All right. What uncompressed data rate switcher might you need for maybe a classroom in a university? So somebody calls you up and says, Steph, I'm trying to design a system. We just walk in with a bunch of HDMI cables and we plug them into a switcher onto a screen. What might you use?
0: The 10... 10- gigabit
1: well done there's your angel music
0: oh thank
1: you you're welcome Steph welcome to the world of data rate <laughs> now you understand yeah it's true so the theory here is that you're not making I mean 100 meg nobody does that anymore right you know, and 3g is kind of a broadcast thing and so somebody would then say well I, I want to stream it Steph somewhere else okay we're well, going to take your 10 gigabit signal and I'm going to run it through a you know magic box, and we're gonna mm-hmm. stream it at a lower data rate onto the internet. Okay. That's how that all works. Good, well done. So let's talk about some video signal characteristics. Uh, HDMI, for example, and all these cables you might buy, all right, or somebody might ask you about. Most of the things that you purchase all right, are boxes that do yeah. digital bitstreams. Write that down, digital bitstreams. It is uncompressed digital bitstreams. That's what these boxes do, all right? These interfaces, these switchers that you buy, send uncompressed digital bit streams. Now, there's choices. You can send it down an HDMI cable, whose distances may vary. I'll talk about that. And you can now send them down twisted pair cables. Now, the nice thing about using twisted pair, which we'll mention later, is that gives you a lot more distance. Usually, Steph, one... Hundred meters. So that took a lot of the guessing out of the old analog days, like, holy smoke, I'm running this analog signal. How far could you run it? So there was an old joke, stuff that people would ask me during the class, Carl, how far can you run an analog signal? And I would go, the official answer is, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, that's not the real answer. We'd all lo- joke at extra on like, yeah, that, that's kind of the real answer. I don't know what kind of cable thing. you're using. I don't know what kind of resolution you have. I don't know what kind of interface you have. And so we're like, well, it kind of depends. Um, and and this works, this works great. So if somebody asks you, well, Hey, I need to be able to get this digital signal to go so you can, Hey, we can use twisted pair. It'll go a hundred meters. All right. The answer for the HDMI may vary a little bit. I'm going to talk about that in a second, Mm -hmm. but these switchers, distribution systems that you buy from different folks, that's what they do. Right. They take these digital signals and they re clock them as I mentioned before to Mm -hmm. make sure they're nice and sharp. So as they go into the switchers, they're nice and perfect. And when they come out, they're nice and perfect. And this is actually kind of what they look like in real life. If you had a product called a JBert machine, I don't even know if you need to write that down, but it was a, it's a very expensive system. that You can actually check this. So I'm going to go through some digital signal types that you, know, you might get asked. First one, USB. I'm sure you're familiar with USB. You've plugged lots of gadgets in over your life. Uh, do USB. Yeah. Um, and the reason that it is an interesting connector is because it was invented a long time ago, really to plug in like printers and things. And now we're plugging in everything with it yeah please note it doesn't go very far it only right. goes about 16 feet and it's compressed it's okay. compression technology so you can't really use this to run some super high resolution uh, gadget unless you're using a c connector in alt mode and that is also a different conversation but for the most part you need to make this longer there's two types of usb Steph, okay. and you need to understand that someone's going to say oh i want a usb camera in the front of the room all right well mm-hmm. that's that's fine. It's going to look the way it is, but you want to try to sell them a professional camera. And then there's these things called HID, Human Interface Device. They are different. And your client, and, you know, the test may actually ask you, uh, the client's trying to plug a keyboard and a mouse into a system. What could be a potential problem? And the potential problem is the product doesn't support HID. It only supports video, or vice versa is usually what happens. Um, depending on the computer you may have, Steph, it may actually have ports on them that only work with HID devices Hmm. and some that work with USB 2.0 devices, like these cameras, all
0: right? But does it just look like a USB, like two? Yes,
1: very good. Unfortunately, all the connectors look the same, that is correct. So there's some newer technologies where they've got little blue connectors and things on them. I'll show you right here, I have a slide Who designed
0: that that if they're different, but they look the same? Thank
1: you very much. Can I give them a call? (laughs) Yeah. So remember, USB wasn't made for AV. It was made for your house. Remember, the pot of gold really for all this USB stuff is easy connectivity to your computer, which is called, by the way, a host. Make a note of that. Okay. All USB technology needs a host. I have a USB camera here. Hello, I can see you. You can see me. That USB camera is plugged into my laptop. My laptop's its host. Can't do anything without it. Yep. What happened with the usb though is as time passed the older usb now which is was called Uh 2.0 was used on these older a connectors and then they created the b connectors and now we've got c connectors don't be obsessed with the type of connector okay steph be obsessed with the speed that's running down the connector Okay. And there could be a question that says something like, my USB-C connection is not spitting out you know, a high data rate or something like that. What could be the problem? Well, remember, that the, the C connector can spit out 480 megabits. It kind of has nothing to do with it. It's that the product can't support it.
0: Okay.
1: So there's newer products now that can support USB speeds of 3.2. It's pretty high. Now, yeah. notice what, remember the earlier little lesson I gave you? What are we already talking about here? Data rates. What did I tell you, Steph? It's everywhere.
0: Yeah. It's embedded
1: in the video business. So USB is all about data rates too. You're gonna to open up okay. a box and it's gonna give you some camera and it's gonna tell you the data rate of what that camera or that gadget runs at. A couple of broadcast standards. Uh, you may have heard of SDI, serial mm-hmm. digital interface and HD SDI and 3G HD SDI. Now you know why the 3G is there. It's three yes. gigabit, good. It's all about data rate. And these standards were used for the broadcast world, usually using a single BNC connector. And it was nice. You got your video, your audio, kind of everything coming down one wire, if that was the need. Um, and it would come out the other side, usually the video side of it. Uh, and it got bigger, faster, stronger. This was low resolution, and then 3G HD was higher resolution, up to about three gigabits. You'll also notice, just for the record, it's actually 2.97, but we rounded it up to three because nobody wanted to call it 2.97 gigabits, you know, <laughs> and all of the price So, you know, there yes. is a little bit of, right. <laughs> uh, there's also a newer technology out now, which could, somebody could ask you, called NDI. Do you know what that is?
0: I've heard of it, but I would be lying if I told you. That's okay,
1: Network Device Interface, write that down. Okay. Network device interface. A company called NewTek developed it. And it is a very interesting way that you can plug in modern day video broadcast equipment and they all communicate with each other through a network. It's like a little baby AV over IP system for broadcast. That's an easy way to write it down, Steph. Okay. So, like a baby AV over IP system for broadcast right. equipment. Broadcast only. The nice thing about it is it's technology kind of agnostic. You can plug in different people's products and they all work together. TriCaster, Yamaha, whatever the application might be.
0: So it like makes systems like interoperable.
1: Very good, interoperability. Okay.
0: That's like another big industry buzzword word, for here's, you. your,
1: here's your clapping for using that word. <laughs> well done, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, at a lot of the HD... Uh, HD-based t stuff I'll talk about later. In streaming, H.264 is a interoperability. You know, you could buy one of my pieces of equipment, plug it in somebody else's. It's all H.264. It all works. Good. So sort of the grandfather, grandmother of video signals is this thing called TMDS. This will undoubtedly be somewhere on the test when you're taking it. Transition Minimized Differential Signaling. And I would have you write that acronym down if you don't know it. I apologize about the acronym overload. It's like drinking from a fire hose, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No no way around that. Transition minimized differential signaling was developed a long time ago with, you know, its cousin sort of LVDS, this low voltage differential signaling. But this is what we use. And most of these modern day signals still use it. Uh, Developed a long time ago for (laughs) high speed Uncompressed digital transport, in essence, all right? There's that data transmission, data rate. It is used by HDMI and DVI. That would be something that there could be a test question about. Okay. And depending on how many links you have, or some people call them lanes in these systems, you can run more data, all right? But it's uncompressed. That's why DVI and HDMI use it. DVI, wonderful connector, so to speak, that was, you know, made a long time ago. Uh, This was actually kind of a great thing. Hey, it actually screwed in. It was held on, you know, digital wasn't held in by friction. The issue with this is it didn't always support audio, and it didn't always support HDCP. And so this connector kind of fell off the wayside. Uh, Some military people and medical people used it all the time. Uh, The schools thought it was the greatest thing ever, and it all fell apart. HDMI, high-definition multimedia interface been out for a long time as well. And it's big claim to fame was it can do the video uncompressed. It can do audio. It is, has HTCP compliancy for copyright protection, and it can do something. Do you know what CEC is? Mm -mm. Consumer Electronics Control. Please write that down. Uh, CEC is an application where you can actually use this one cable to turn other things on and off. Prime example, Uh, have you ever turned on a Blu-ray player and it turned on your TV. Have you ever turned on an Xbox or a PlayStation and it also turned on your TV? Yes. That's using CEC. So, as a gamer and an esports enthusiast here at my house, if I hold down my PlayStation button on my remote, it turns on my PlayStation and turns on the television. There you have it. DVI can't do that, <laughs> which right away made HDMI the new player in town. And for the audio files watching this or listening, it does all sorts of great audio stuff. Okay. Good. Uh, the connectors, all sorts of vats. And this is one of the things I mentioned to you before. The issue with HDMI was as the cable stuff got longer, the problem was that Cliff would not always show up on the screen. And so it would be quite clear what would happen. You'd get no image, right? They refer to this in the business. I'll back up a little bit so I can draw something. Whoops. They refer to this as the digital cliff effect. So here is sort of a distance chart. You know, this is a long distance of feet. What would happen to these digital signals is they'd be good, 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 and they would get to a distance, whatever distance that was, and they would
0: fall There'd off the be cliff. Nothing. Okay.
1: Correct. In the analog world, Steph you'd start with the signal nice and good and it would just kind of slowly dwindle right but it would be there at you know yeah. a million feet away or something right and so that's an easy way to troubleshoot digital signals. And so, again, there could be test questions that say, client added a 100-foot HDMI cable to a room. What could be the problem? Well, you can't run those signals yeah. without some sort of special extra sauce built into the cable. So the answer would the be
0: terminal. that, like, the cable would be too long and Very good. you can't run a Absolutely. signal. Okay.
1: I will tell you honestly, when people now ask me, Carl, how far can you run an HDMI digital cable? And I, my answer is as short as possible Right. because of the same problem. I've got lots of stories where a school, uh, somebody installed a very short cable and a wall plate at a university. Somebody lost the cable and then somebody just went out to, you know, Circuit Silly or wherever and bought a new cable for low low money and yeah. plugged like a 300 foot cable in or something ridiculous. And, and they're wondering work. like, why can't I get any images on the screen? You know, can't happen. Now, this is a chart that I just want you to see that I don't need you to read, but I need you to have okay. an epiphany. The epiphany is, These cables and HDMI are getting so different. There's the standard speed, there's the high speed, there's premium speed, and now there is ultra speed. Everything just gets bigger, faster, and stronger. And what you just need to understand from this graphic and not to read it is the data rates over here just get Uh higher and higher and higher. Okay. When you buy cables, you don't buy them via on some bandwidth specification. You buy them on... A data rate specification. Write okay. that down because that is something that people are going to ask all the time, and certainly would be a question somebody would ask you. Now, what allows you to run these uncompressed video signals down twisted pair cable? So this was invented a while back. HD Base T. If you probably heard of this, mm-hmm. and this technology is in a lot of people's equipment. And the main thing you need to understand is this is not networking, and this is uncompressed. It is an uncompressed technology that is not networked. The thing that's confusing, Steph, is it uses ethernet cables or RJ5 connectors. So when people see this, they go, oh, I can plug this into a network? You can't. (laughs) It is uncompressed digital video running down an ethernet cable, but it is not ethernet.
0: Okay, because the one that is ethernet is AV over IP, because it runs over signal. That's correct,
1: very good. Very good, and I actually have a little test question I'll go over here in a second, you are correct. So this is the stuff that, you know, as I said, this is kind of number one. Hey, you wanna run a cable with uncompressed digital video? You can use HD T. you know, and lots mm-hmm. of manufacturers make the equipment that does that. All right, so you can actually get those things built into the system. Small meeting rooms, this would be a perfect example of that. So you buy a interface, you would run a twisted pair cable mm-hmm. and then you'd run the HDMI shorter distances. Now, Steph, this is a, a great example of this this is the hdb's t technology that is embedded in these boxes all right and the issue is is that you would then have short little tiny hdmi cables and short little tiny hdmi cables on the opposite sides so in the old days we would run you know massively long analog cables and now you know these are little tiny 10 footers 15 footers whatever mm-hmm. and these cables are sometimes a foot because yeah. these little boxes hang on the back right um, and that is sort of the new world topology run longer video digital distances over hd base t between the interfaces Does that make sense
0: yes is now a twisted people see pair this cable the same thing as a category cable
1: it is so let me give okay. you a quick scoop on that it a cat x cable category cable which you see i actually have written down here
0: cat- which x just means it can be like cat five cat five you cat got 6, Well done. right
1: cat five cat six is it what you need to write down though is to do something like this, Steph, it needs to be shielded. Okay. Now there'll be some arguments out there in the industry of, well, Carl said it needs to be shielded. It should be shielded. <laughs> I recommend it, Extron recommends it, everybody I know that runs high data rate signals down shielded twisted pair needs to use shielded to prevent something called alien crosstalk. So yeah, don't use what is referred to in the business, Steph, as UTP, unshielded twisted pair you don't want to use that.
0: Why you do they make do
1: it? it? Well, they use that for regular networks. It's great for regular network stuff, but not great for what we're doing. All right. Okay. Somebody asks you why you go, my data rates are really high in the video business and your data rates in the network business at the moment are not as high as what we're trying to do here. So EDID, um, prepare for your EDID presentation. Okay. So EDID, extended display identification data. This will for sure be on the test. Every time I talk to somebody who took it, they Carl, you were right. It was on there. (laughs) Extended display identification data. So EDID is something that is inside of us. It binds us. It holds us together. It's like the force from Star Wars, Steph. Right? Okay. A little bit of a serious joke there. EDID like almost runs our industry. It's hysterical. (laughs) This technology allows you, and it's been around for a long time, as you can see, 1996, and we used to call it data display channel. Mm -hmm. This technology, which is everywhere. I'll give you a quick little example. There's a chip inside this monitor, this TV, whatever the heck you got, and it communicates with the laptop, the PC, whatever you have over here. And when you turn on the PC, it communicates, and it asks down the digital bitstream, hey, what are you doing here? And the TV or the monitor goes, hey, I'm a Dell native 1080p monitor and I want some audio. And then the PC goes, okay, there you go. Okay. Now, the reason this is so important is because if you ever, and this will for sure be on the test, somebody's going to say something like, I've got the wrong resolutions on my screen, Steph. Mm -hmm. You know, why am I not getting 1080p or why am I not? EDID is responsible for resolution, desired resolution. It is responsible for the audio which people forget all the time.
0: Be,
1: so uh, if you, somebody ever calls you and says, I'm not getting any audio, you can go, well, it's probably an EDID problem, All right? I'm not getting the right resolution. Well, probably have an EDID problem. I uh, hate my aspect ratio is wrong. It's probably an EDID problem. Hey, I can't get anything to show up on the screen. It's a EDID problem. I mean, EDID is responsible for everything. <laughs> and I teach a class that's like almost eight hours long that talks just about EDID, and I'm trying to give it to you in like two minutes. It's crazy. The beauty here is that if EDID is passed properly through the HDMI cable, which it should be, point to point, the appropriate resolution will then show up on the appropriate screen and you will hear the appropriate audio. All right, the issue that happens, Steph, is this, not everybody's products support EDID. Now, Extron's do, and there's a lot of others, obviously, but you just need to be very careful because somebody might say, hey, I'm running 1080p into this switcher. And uh, I need 1080p over here, but why am I getting like 720p down here? Well, you're you're having an EDID management problem, right? Okay. Uh, and it is, it is a big problem because this kind of leads you into the end of this part, which is the whole screen resolution thing. Um, HDCP is the same thing. We got our uh, high bandwidth Definitely. digital content protection. This came out a long time ago. Another one of the disasters in AV, as I like to call it suddenly everybody went carl i have to put blu-ray players everywhere so with the high digital content protection mainly apple and blu-ray players you have to make sure that the entire system is hdcp compliant so the easy way to say this steph make sure all of your products that you're buying are hdcp compliant that's an easy way out now this is why you would need to be careful in the world of streaming if we're taking some information from a classroom and we are maybe streaming it out to some box that does h.264 these products are can be htcp compliant but you have to manage this to make sure that the streams can go places an easy test question would be something like this hey i plugged in my blu-ray player and i I can't get anything to show up on the screen you know it's turned green or something and the main answer would probably be your system whatever you bought whatever tv or whatever you got going on is not It's htcp okay okay you asked me about some displays yeah so these new displays that are out here have new technologies in them some of them uh, not new but they connection. have different uh light technology you've heard of laser projectors all right so what's in these projectors I, well they're I still using I lcd and dlp engines stuff so the engines are still the same all right the difference is the light source is not a xenon bulb Or a metal halide bulb it's a laser, just like in the movies now don't get crazy it's not like a burning red green blue everybody thinks it's like some burning it's a blue laser that runs through dichroic mirrors and those mirrors turn the light into the three different colors. Um, These new laser projectors are great, mainly because they can last for 10 years and they never get dim it's a little bit of an added cost, but it does work all right. Organic LED or OLED is a little bit different because the actual pixels are the light source themselves. That's why these TVs, these OLED TVs are so thin and why they have such good black levels, all right? Uh, They're still a little expensive, but they're great for image quality. They give you all of the colors, 10 bit, billions of colors, It's, it's great, all right? LCD is out there and it's been around there for a long time. Different video projectors. The only thing here to remember is when you're buying an LCD product, don't worry so much about the LCD. That's what makes mm-hmm. the image. Be worried about what is the backlight. What's the backlight? Okay. Correct. Because now, you've heard of an L, an, you know, an oh, nice. LCD LED. I mean, there, there's a whole which I'm going to show you a picture.
0: So an LED is just an LCD, but it's so backlit right. by LED lights, mm-hmm. right? You got it. That's exactly it. Like okay. These products
1: all do a very similar thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They're using LCDs, but now there's an LED bulb in the back, All right, And these LED TVs uh, have a, you know, lots of little tiny bulbs. They'll try to draw a bunch of dots all over it. And it's a very uniform kind of white. The colors are better. It's more uniform in the past. Mm-hmm. There were literally like fluorescent bulbs in the back. Okay. No LED is that same thing I told you organic LED. They're very thin. The images are incredibly crisp. You know, the black levels are incredible if you're a movie buff. That's the kind of stuff you should watch or buy if you can afford it. You may have seen some pictures yeah. of some screens coming up out of floors and things. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, I'm kind of a believer that I think the future of some of the AV industry might actually involve this where Steph, you know, 6-7 years from now, you and I are going to install a classroom you and i would walk in with what appears to be a big carpet on our shoulders and we would in essence roll the carpet up on the screen and like staple it to the wall and i mean not actually but that's yeah, pretty yeah, yeah. much what's going to happen um, and you see this stuff in movies yeah. and you know it's wrapped around pillars and things like that right uh, q is actually a or technology by it? samsung what they did is they used traditional lcd panels with backlit leds there's all your acronyms so it's not really anything different. The difference is they've got some of their own special sauce built in so the colors look better.
0: Okay. Right? Remember,
1: it's all about color representation. If right. the colors look better, it looks more real.
0: All right. Okay. I
1: right, know some other little just basics here about some projection technology. Somebody may say to you, RP, FP, front right. projection, rear projection. So this projection. is just the idea that you're gonna have the projector in the front or the back.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: there will be a test question, undoubtedly something like this. And it's gonna say something like, what are the advantages and disadvantages? Well, let me give yeah. you the easy ones right away. When this light is shining here, it's actually reflecting back into the people's faces. The images are brighter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the the, the issue here is the pull light pull is going forward. through, in essence, to see you know what the people are looking at. Well, but because the, the rear projection room back is back darker, back. you can <laughs> usually yeah. then turn on more lights out here. Now with these new yeah. laser projectors, yeah. Steph. Oh, Steph This is not so much the end of the world. Some of these laser projectors are incredibly bright. Um, And this would be something that would be on a, you know, a test question where uh, it might say something like, well, what lumen output uh, or what nit do you need for your display based on the light that's in the room, All right? So lumens are how you measure projectors, nits, N-I-T-S, nits is how you measure a TV display in terms of brightness and some things that are gonna be on the test is to understand resolution and how it works and why I need more and why I need less. There are some things that people are gonna ask you for. I want UHD, I want, you know, 8K, I want 1080p. You know, how do you know what to give them? And there's an easy answer for this, write this down. It's called critical viewing. Okay. What is your critical viewing here? Oh, Steph, we just do PowerPoint. Oh no, Steph, I have to be able to zoom in on medical images they're going to tell you right away. As long as you know, their yeah. answer to the critical viewing question, right, you're good. All right. Okay. And that'll sort of give you the, and this is just a little idea you know, are they going to sit really close to the TV, the projector? Are they going to sit far yeah. away? And depending on those applications, you're going to need some different answers.
0: Right. right? Now, so if their critical viewing is just a PowerPoint, they're probably not going to need like an 8k.
1: Very good. And the resolution will change. And so the throw distance. Very good. I mean, excuse me, the size of the display. Yep. Now, um, if you wear glasses, you'll know what this is. If you don't, this is a scene chart. So what I'm showing you is actually kind of what you're going to be doing too. If you can go with the end user, and this is right out of the sort of the uh, uh, Avixa handbook, if you will, and figure out what point font they might be using. And you can actually measure this. And this is called an element. Please write that down. An element. All right what element pixel font might they use? Now they may kind of laugh at you. Like, what are you talking about? We just use PowerPoint stuff. And then you can go, okay, okay, <laughs> I get it. You don't care. And then yeah. some other people go oh, no, no, no. We have very small font here. So this all comes from visual acuity. There's gonna be something the test that's gonna ask you what an arc minute is. An arc minute. This is right out of, you know, your optometrist. An arc minute is the limit of visual acuity. How far away can we see something? All right. Okay. Limit of normal human visual acuity. Write that down. Now, I'm going to have you give you an easy analogy. Write down this. It's, I call it the screen door effect. Okay. So, Steph, you go to your house, your apartment, wherever. And if you close your screen door and you stand right in front of it, yeah. You see it, don't you? Yes. Okay, what happens if you back up 30, 40 feet in your house or your apartment? What happens to the screen door when you look outside?
0: It looks like it's not there, you can just it see disappears. it It right disappears, very
1: good, yeah. absolutely. And it's the same thing in AV. Okay. And your job is to use, some, there's some math, to find out the arc minute, and then kind of jokingly as my idea is, let's, let's build you a screen door. <laughs> how, 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 how many pixels do you need to see? All
0: right? Okay, yeah. Does that
1: help you with that analogy? Mm-hmm. Good. Isn't, have you ever heard of a retina display, you know, Apple mm-hmm. and everybody? Okay, all yep. they're doing at Apple is they're measuring the arc minute. So if I use my cell phone for a second, you kind of look at me. Apple did the math or if I hold my phone about this far away, they measured the arc minute per the element and they're like, hey, I should hold my phone about this far away. Mm-hmm. They did all the math. That's why the resolution on your screen's fine. You hold your cell phone, 50 feet away from your face. You can't see it as well, obviously. They did the measurements, right?
0: Of how far typically you hold your phone from your face? Yep. Exactly. Okay.
1: So they measured the arc minute, figured out the retina display, and then they created their resolution on the screen. Got it. Which is what, what you do. They measured the element, if you will. So there's two things that are going to show up on the test. Okay. Something called discus and the theory, which is a little older but still used, so you should know what it is for throw distances and displays called 468. Okay. Please write those down. All right. The older one, I don't want to call it the older one because it's even when I was teaching at Infocom a bit, I would you know use this, it's called the 468. Uh-huh. So this kind of 468 idea is the, this is a ratio times the height of the screen. Make a note of that, times the height of the screen. And there's two ways you make these decisions. And I kind of mentioned to you before what they are. There's something called the BDM math, which is your basic decision-making, which I call PowerPoint. Your client says, look, we just do PowerPoint in here. And you're like, okay, that's pretty basic image quality. Let's use the BDM math, which might be you know six or eight times the height of the screen or something like that. And then somebody says to you, oh, no, 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 Steph. I have analytical decision-making occurring here which they call ADM or what I call critical viewing. So with one simple question, you can design an environment or an AV ecosystem based on the size of the screen. If you're doing nothing but PowerPoint in here, we'll do, you know, this times the height of the screen. Oh, wait a minute. You're doing analytics in here. I'm going to make that, you know, smaller four because we're going to be sitting closer because you're trying to make some decisions.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes
1: sense. Mm-hmm. So this four, six, eight rule. You just kind of do the math. If you think it's BDM, you would take the height of the screen, times it by six or four or whatever, and then bang, you have how far away people would sit. All right? Okay. Good. Now, that was kind of the old way to do it. <laughs> yes. There is a new way. called. The new Discus. way. Now, what this does, and I'm going to show you a little bit more here, and that acronym will kill anybody in the acronym world. I love this. Display image size for 2D content and audiovisual systems. That's a that's oh, a long. I have, to,
0: do I have to remember what that stands for. I
1: know, I, and unfortunately, I would uh, I would have no doubt that there's going to be a test question about this. Okay. because that is one of the longest acronyms I've ever seen in my life.
0: This is the worst
1: acronym I've ever read. <laughs> I know the AV industry is so bad with this. I think it's also one of the things if you can talk to your, you know, office mates, workmates, and just be like, hey, let's let's talk some AV because I need to be able to edit your HDCP with ten <laughs> gigabit, you know. 2D content with my discus throwing in my, you know, yeah, it's, it's brutal. All yeah. right, so did you write that down? Good.
0: Yes. All right, so now it's what this minute. does
1: is it assumes, oh, by the way, this happened in 2016, all
0: right? Okay, so, so yeah. The, the 468 four, was fresh. everything before
1: that, and now we're doing this. So this assumes a little bit that you're gonna be using some higher resolution. Of course, okay. modern yes. AV. it's 2021. And it's based on something called the element of the presentation. That is what is different. Please make a note. So somebody a quick test question might say, what technology is the basis for making decisions in Discus? And you could say, oh, the element of the presentation. It's font size. Font size, font size. You figure out the font size. I mean, you could theoretically go in with a tape measure and actually measure it. And then based on the font size, and what you're doing in terms of the, I'll back up a slide to show you, your BDM or ADM. So I know, again, more acronyms, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you then <laughs> would put that in the math into the equation and it would show you. So now here's okay. what the the math looks like. If you go to the online calculator on the AVIXA website, you'll see uh, it. Yes. And I'll just, you know, I I can go live to it if you want to, but you'd put in, in inches. So make that a note of that. And you'd start to put some information in here like, okay, so the person's going to be sitting about 48 inches up. We're going to be doing HDTV. So that's like a one, seven, eight, one, seven, seven aspect ratio. And then you would start to put in the image height again in inches, you know, 60 and then the element. Now there's a percentage for these. And I'm going to go live here in just a second and show you that. Okay. And then when you put this information in, what it does is actually gives you the distance of how far away everybody should be seated. So, I'm going to ask you a question. Besides the fact I always say to all of my students, keep doing AV, keep doing what you're doing, keep studying. Um, I hope that was helpful. I want you to tell me now from your notes, as a teacher, I'm always going to flip the classroom. Tell me three things that you learned.
0: Okay. I learned that DISCUS stands for Display Image Size for 2D Content and Audiovisual Systems, and it was developed in 2016. Um, I learned... About the 468 rule and how that's not used as much anymore, but still right. used.
1: Or it's a good guesstimation, sort of yes. speak. Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. I
0: learned that for a laser projector, the engine is still the same, but that the light source is a laser. Perfect. Wow. Um, and I learned about EDID, Extended Display Identification Data.
1: And then that is the force that holds the AV world together, just yes. like Star
0: Wars. And that I well, can never forget it.
1: Um, hey, with that, I also want to just kind of finish up something I always do at the end here. I want to make sure yeah. that you take this information <laughs> that I've given you today, spread it not only throughout your friends, but the world of AV. Make sure that everything you're doing, you talk about AV all the time. And if you ever have any questions, you can call me and I'll be your teacher here to support you. So thank you very much for the time, Steph.
0: Thank you so thank much you for Rave, as time. It was,
1: it was a pleasure. So if there's anything I can ever do for you, thank you very much thank stop you my, so much I'll stop my all music right. and go back to my regular
0: thing. <laughs> all right yep and for everyone watching and or listening um you can find more by going to rave uh i will link carl's linkedin so you can add him as well if you have any questions for him mm-hmm. also uh but thank you again thank you so much for being here very good all right study with because she's the best